You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. Welcome to the Rob Review Podcast. This is Evan Rob, and I'm joined today with Laura Rob. Laura, how are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to this one. This will be a very fun podcast because what we have decided to share are our thoughts on things that happen in schools that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. So what what I'm asking you to think about, and of course what I'll be thinking about, are things that we have seen over, over our careers that occur in schools that make no sense. They make no sense according to research, and they make no sense in terms of uh, doing what's right for a student. They just simply make no sense. So, Laura, I know you've been thinking about a couple, and I have a couple that I'm going to be sharing today, and I'd like to let our viewing audience know that we have a much larger list, and that will be part of several blogs that we will be writing for the Rob Review blog. So, Laura, let's begin with your number one thing that occurs in schools that makes no sense. Okay, my number one is popcorn reading, sometimes called round-robin reading. It seems that teachers who use that feel that they are teaching reading. In truth, the only thing that's happening is that students are reading aloud from texts they're unfamiliar with, which we know is not a good way to teach reading. But there's no discussion, there's no application of strategies, there's no showing kids how people react to texts or how texts make people feel. I view popcorn and round-robin reading as a time filler. And when I speak to children and ask them what they think of it, they don't even listen to their classmates' reading. What they do is kind of estimate where they're going to have to jump in and read aloud, and they tune out until they're close to their turn. You know, Laura, I have um, conducted several interviews over the last year where I've talked to English candidates when we've been hiring people for an English position, and you know, a very simple question of, here's a book, and how would you teach this book during the instructional reading component of your class? And many, many times, people who have just completed a four-year degree say popcorn reading would be the way that they would teach the book. I can add that there's a variation of popcorn reading that's even more humiliating for a student, and it's called bump. So students actually go around the room and they read out loud, and then mid-sentence or at the end of the sentence, they can call on any other student in the classroom. And that not only is, is bad practice because it's the popcorn reading, but it also gives students an opportunity to bully or harass other students often who are not good readers. Teachers, you know, Evan, often tell me that the reason they do that is to make sure that students are reading the text. There has to be an element of trust, and students will read a text if they can read it, if it's at their independent or instructional level, depending on your goal. If the text is relevant and speaks to them in some way, I have never met a student in all my years of teaching did not want to learn to read and read well. That is simply an excuse for filling up a class period. Absolutely, Laura. I know you could talk about popcorn reading all day, and I, I 
clearly know your feelings about popcorn reading. So I'm going to share one of my things that occurs in schools that makes no sense. If we had a drum roll here in the audience, we could do that right now. <laughs> and I would say extra credit. Extra credit has been around for a long, long time. Teachers all over the country use extra credit, and I can remember many times with my children when they were growing up that if they brought in a couple extra boxes of tissues to any particular class, they could get an additional 100-point test grade averaged uh, into their class grade. Now, the problem with that is it completely skews the student's understanding and knowledge of the content of the course. If the grade for the course is influenced by bringing in tissues or bringing in candy or bringing in hand sanitizer, it is not going to give a parent or a teacher a good understanding of what that student knows in relation to the curriculum of the course. It doesn't even give the student a clear picture because uh, they can certainly ramp that grade up by doing every extra credit opportunity that comes along. I agree. I mean, let's want to call algebra, algebra, not bringing in tissues to achieve a grade in algebra. So I think we can agree without going further that extra credit is something that has been around for a long time. Some people hold it near and dear, but extra credit is something that should not be occurring in schools across the United States of America or across the world. So Laura, let's move on now. And I know you have one more that you're going to be sharing. This is something that ex existed for a long time that many people may hold near and dear but something that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And yours is? Lecturing. Instead of involving students in learning, there's a difference between those two ideas. Lecturing goes back a long way, but what it's come down to for students in middle school and high school and at college is that the teacher drones on and talks from notes or reads parts of a textbook out loud for the entire class period. Often, I... teachers use the same notes year after year after year. There's no adjustment to the level of the students they're teaching, to the interests of the students. It is not a responsive method of teaching. Yeah, I will say it makes for an incredibly compliant classroom because kids are typically disengaged in that type of classroom, except some that may be very good auditory learners or some that just may have a keen interest because of other reasons in what the teacher is talking about. You know, it also sets up this strange thing that exists in schools where people presume that kids know how to do things and in this case know how to take notes. So there can be a presumption that because a teacher is lecturing, students should take notes, but Sometimes students don't know how to take notes based off of a lecture. But when you look at a classroom, you always want to say from an administrative standpoint, what kind of engagement is going on in this room? And if students are compliantly listening to someone speak out loud about a subject and not doing any engagement in terms of engaging themselves in the learning, not a good class. Absolutely, Evan. Not only that, but we know, and this is absolutely research-based, that middle school students cannot listen to someone talk more than 10 to 15 minutes at the most. You could add five more minutes in high school. So what happens is, after that time is up, not only does the student become totally disengaged, but they're off on Pluto or Mars. They're doing something else in their mind. Well, you're, abs you're absolutely right. You know, you know basically, the, the age that a student is is about as long as they can listen to, uh, to a lecture within a classroom. I think we would agree 
that uh, educators that are using lecture as their uh, mode of teaching, that is not good practice. Yeah, let me give you a variation, too, where I've been in classes where the teacher lectures but starts the class off with a, a chalkboard full of notes that the students copy, and then the teacher proceeds to lecture around those notes. And for some reason, they think that copying notes means you're learning the subject. Copying notes is simply what it is, copying notes. And there are children in middle school that have visual discrimination issues, so they're copying notes incorrectly. They're dropping phrases, they're missing lines, um, because taking the ideas that are on the chalkboard and bringing it to their notebook it's too long a distance for the information to stay intact. I've also had teachers tell me that that's a great way to teach kids how to take notes. That's not taking notes. That's copying the notes the teacher took. And we really need to start thinking about these practices that we want to hold on to. Um, we need to start letting them go and looking at the benefits of a student-centered approach where it's the students who are learning the information. It is not a show for the teacher to show how interestingly they can present things or how boring they could be, but it has everything to do with how much the students are learning. Uh, very well said. I think we can safely say that classes that are defined by lecture are simply not going to be effective classes in 2017 and beyond. Uh, it is something that many people grew up with. I can recall when I was in high school lectures in history class every single day that I was in high school. I can recall a chalkboard filled with notes and copying notes and taking a test every Friday uh, from my memory of the facts that I wrote down. Not an effective way to learn history. I have to add one more point that when the students of our generation the generation now, uh, go out and look for jobs, one of the things that they're going to be asked about is their ability to collaborate, to be part of a team. If you sit in a class and listen to a lecture, you're not part of any team, and you gain no experience doing things that you really need to know how to do in order to be successful in the workplace and in advanced studies. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, we. Um, we will talk more about 21st century skills and, and their place within education, but also problem solving, you know, would certainly be a very valuable skill for kids to have as they move into the workforce. And passively listening to lecture will not help that at all. So now I get to unveil my number one for this podcast. This is something that absolutely occurs in schools across America. Writing sentences for punishment. Many, many times students have a bad day in class and a teacher thinks that it will teach them a lesson if they write something like, I will behave in class and maybe arbitrarily 50 times. That, that does exist. That is something that makes no sense whatsoever. That is something that needs to stop. You know, Evan, I remember having to do that because I was not a well-behaved child in school. And so what I would do is I would write 1 to 50 or 1 to 75 in the margin, and then I would write all the eyes. Uh, I would write all the words, and I got nothing out of it. It was just a way to make it a little more fun, but also uh, it was so boring and ridiculous because it had nothing to do with helping me become 
better behave. Yeah, it is absolutely worthless. I would say the next level of, of worthlessness for that would be if one or two kids misbehave in the class and then the teacher just punishes the entire class and says everyone needs to go home and write sentences. I'd put it in the same box that I would put drawing a circle on the board and sticking your nose in a circle and standing there. Things, they just simply don't make any sense whatsoever. That is not an effective way to help a student make better choices about their behavior. If that occurs in your school, please make sure that that stops. Right. What teachers need to do and administrators need to do is have a conversation with a child. And the first thing you do is you ask, why? Why? Can you give me your why? Why did that happen? Why did you feel compelled to do that? Why are you having difficulty coping with that urge. Well, conversation is absolutely a, a, a much better way to understand a student's choices and to help them make better choices about their behavior. But the bottom line is punishments that are demeaning, punishments that are humiliating, uh, they simply have no place in changing student behavior. As an adult, no, no adult would want to have to do that. Um, and I can guarantee you no student would want to have to do that either. So, Lori, thank you very much for sharing your top two things in education that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. It has been my pleasure to share, to share my top two things also. And to our listening audience, we have a really big list that we'll be showcasing in our blogs, the Rob Review blog where we will be highlighting things that do not work in classrooms and things that do not work in buildings. This is Evan Robb, and speaking for Laura Robb, we thank you for listening to the Robb Review Podcast. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed the Robb Review Podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again, and see you next time.